Hey, friend. Welcome to Houston Made, a show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey as I selfishly gain insights and I build my own businesses. This week on Instagram, I shared a clip uh, from a WTF podcast with Mark Marin with his guest, Michael J. Fox of Back to the Future fame, among many other great films and TV shows and all of the things. And in this interview from a few years back, maybe a lot of years back, I actually don't remember when it was from, uh, they talk about gratitude. And obviously, Michael J. Fox has had this amazing career, but also a very public uh, battle with Parkinson's and all of those things. And Michael J. Fox goes into this bit about how he started doing an inventory of all of the things that he was consuming, all the things he was taking into his life, the media he was watching, uh, listening to, reading, etc., and really found that gratitude was at the heart of it all, but more importantly, that gratitude is what makes optimism sustainable. And that line just floors me every time. As somebody who I think I consider myself an optimist, (laughs) has been labeled uh, a toxic optimist at points, I realized that, you know, true optimism is not just about being upbeat, which I think that's the, uh, that's the misconception that I fall into is that, oh, I'm an upbeat person. I like to have fun. I'm very gregarious. That must mean I am an optimist, but I don't think that's the case. As I made that post and reflected on the interview, the more and more I came to realize that uh, a lot of what I, how I operate and have operated in the past is just like outright denial, uh, which I I don't think is healthy or a, a profitable way to run your business to just ignore and pretend uh, that problems don't exist. Uh, and rather, the optimism isn't about ignoring difficult things or pretending that ign- difficult things don't exist. And rather, it's about believing that good things are on the other side of difficult things, or that even good things can be found in the midst of difficult things. And as an Enneagram 7, that is often hard for me to uh, wrap my head around, and it's often a truth that I don't want to confront. But I think It is important as we consider entrepreneurship as a way of life. To some degree, it feels like optimism is a prerequisite for this journey, that in order to embark on a journey where you are going to be responsible for everything, that your success or failure will be largely dependent upon you and your efforts, uh, that your persistence Uh, which I really think is the key to success, that your persistence is going to be a big factor in whether or not your business lasts a year or two or 10 or however many, that you have to believe that there is good at the end of all of this work or that there is good to be found in the work. I feel like hustle culture a couple of years ago had us all talking about the grind, right? You just had to grind it out. You had to work hard or be the hardest worker in the room, uh, AKA the rock. And uh, 
then the conversation switched and then thankfully so to some degree uh, to talk a lot about rest that if you want to be successful in life you need to rest and yet there is an element of grind to all of this there are parts of every entrepreneurial journey that are not fun that are not glamorous that are just work work that has to be done done in spite of our lack of desire to do it uh, to be honest recording this intro and outro for this podcast episode is happening at the end of a very long day that I spent on the other side of town and then spent two hours driving home. And I didn't really want to sit down to do this, but I'm doing it because I know there's good in it. One good in just reflecting and sharing these thoughts for myself, but also good in sharing this podcast episode with the world. And I do believe that that comes back to gratitude. Because for me to have these conversations with these guests is an honor and a privilege for you to take the time to listen both to these ramblings at the beginning of the episode and the episodes themselves is an honor. And I can only do this work when I come from that place of gratitude. Right. Gratitude is what makes optimism sustainable. And so I would encourage you to practice gratitude. And I don't just mean, I mean, sure, you can do daily affirmations or sit down and journal and write down the things that you are grateful for. Uh, for me, it often looks like unplugging, not journaling, sitting in a quiet house or outside and taking a few minutes to breathe. Uh, that's where I often am able to practice gratitude, where I get away from the work and the doing and the performing and can just feel, feel it all again, which is not always uh, my first instinct. So practice gratitude. And speaking of all of that, I do want to say that I think that this week's guest is a particularly uh, optimistic person, someone who was able to pursue a future that they didn't know was possible, that they didn't even know maybe existed, but had some kind of faith in themselves, in their gifts. To, to see it through, to end up doing amazing things, and I believe make our city a better and more beautiful place. This week's guest is Ace Phoenix, who is a visual artist, a painter, and a muralist right here in Houston. And I will say uh, she is a delightful guest. It was a wonderful conversation, and I just so enjoyed getting to meet her and become friends with her. She is kind and humble and passionate, just all of the things that you want in a person to be friends with. And I uh, really did enjoy getting to meet her and spend some time with her. Um, I will say I also am excited because visual art holds a special place in my heart. Uh, my mother is a visual artist, a painter uh, by trade in a lot of ways. And my father has spent a lot of his life uh, making people's homes beautiful. And, and I love the fact that visual art and art in general as a business often subverts people's expectations of this podcast. When we talk about having an entrepreneurial podcast in Houston, having a real estate agent, an interior designer, a chef, I think those things make sense. But I don't think people's first thought goes to art. How do you, how is art a business? But it's exactly that. 
And Ace in her story has found a way to build a business around art, about around painting murals here in Houston. And uh, I am just so excited to share the conversation with you. So without further rambling, this is season four, episode five of the Houston Made podcast. You were recording at 12.15 or 10.50. Oh, look at this. Here we go. I remembered. Um, all right. Ace Phoenix. Hi. Muralist, painter, artist, makeup artist, all of these things. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you doing today, Rusty? I'm great. <laughs> I I went to bed very early last night after oh. like two days of being sleep deprived. You know, like at the point where it catches up to you. And it it's, does. I was like crashing at 8.30 <laughs> and my wife's like, are you going to bed? I was like, my mom diver. <laughs> so today, great. Nice. Feeling very well. Thank you for asking. Nice. Yeah. I am uh, extremely excited to have you on uh, Houston Made, to have you here as a guest to talk a little bit about your journey, your business, the how you have mixed art and business and how all of that happens. And as a little bit of context, um, because I think this is our first time getting to really meet and talk, uh, is that so I grew up. Uh, and my mother is a visual artist. Oh, so she's been a painter nice. most of my life. And uh, ha- we have paintings of hers hanging in the house. She's constantly sending us new paintings. And she's, you know, over the last couple of decades moved to Colorado and is like constantly painting wow. beautiful okay. stuff out there. Uh, and so I think having you on, I guess, is like a special thing for me oh, because <laughs> I, yeah, I hold artists in a traditional sense, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, in really high regard. So yeah. again, thank you for being here. And anyway, well, I'm extremely that. excited to be here too. <laughs> yeah. And that's really great to know about your mom. Um, I know, at least for my daughter, she has seen like everything that goes into it, how much work I put into it, how much time and effort, um, what each piece means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love to hear that and know that your mom was an artist. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So for people who don't know, tell us about yourself and what you do, right? I think I found you through kind of the muralist aspect, and I think that's a part of it, but kind of help us understand you, your life, the work you do. Okay. Well, I am, like you said, an artist kind of across the board. I've always been a creative and visual uh, learner and thinker, and I would identify myself more as a muralist currently, mm-hmm. but I'm open sure. to other mediums and other platforms. Um, but yeah, I, I, gosh, I've been paint. No, sorry, I've been drawing since I was as far back as I can remember, like four years old, mm-hmm. like in my grandmother's kitchen floor, like drawing in her Bible and her hymn books. Yeah. And she absolutely didn't mind, yeah, uh, which was great. She was she was always so supportive of me, and it just grew from there. Funnily enough, I thought everybody knew how to draw until <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until I started school, and realized that oh, people were kind of going nuts over my my drawings, and I was like, cool. So I just kept doing it, kept doing, it, kept doing it, without realizing how this talent would have evolved without realizing that it was a gift that I've been given. So, um, yeah, I've just kind of been chasing that and following that path since I was a little girl. Yeah. Into my career. That's, that's exciting. It's really cool to know that this is something that's been with you for so long. And, uh, I think you had shared online a while ago, this 
quote from uh, Picasso that said like uh, every every child is an artist. The trick is like figuring out how to stay an artist when you grow up. So how did that work for you? How did you stay an artist? How did you not give up on it or walk away? Or did you at some point be like, mm, I don't know about all this? You know, um, it just was something so calming for me. Um, it just felt natural. I had this unbelievable joy just trying to recreate a, a photo or mm-hmm. uh, really recreate the people that were in front of me. So I started uh, drawing portraits very, very early on without realizing that it was w- literally one of the hardest things to yes. <laughs> to yes. accomplish is to is to create a, a portrait. But, you know, that's what was around me. I, I, I was born and raised in New Jersey. It was a lot of people around constantly. So I would just be out uh, in the street or, you know, in church and somewhere just sketching, sketching away. My brain didn't really focus on many other things, but when I was drawing, it was full on focus. So for me, um, I don't know. I, I, I always like to explain it as like, um, it's like my prayer. So God literally through me uses my hand to express his creation. Mm. And that's what I've just followed my whole life. And even in entrepreneurship and business, I don't know half the time what, I, what I'm doing or where I'm going, but that faith in that God has my hand, yeah. that's it. That's all I need to know. And it's just evolved to where it's at. And you kind of just kept going. I just think it's right. Going. It's just, you were just following yeah. it. And then at what point did it turn into like a business where you're like, oh, now I either need to make money with this or <laughs> I can make money with this? Where was the shift? Because from, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I I wanted to be like, well, as kids, we, you know, we don't think about the entrepreneurial scent. But I remember trying to sell my grandmother rocks from her <laughs> own, like her own driveway. I'd go out and find rocks and come in and like slay them out and sell them to her. So maybe I did have like an entrepreneurial streak <laughs> yeah. where I was like, no, we're going to sell. We're going to make some money here. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming that, you know, the four-year-old version of you was just doing it for the joy of it. Yes. So what was that evolution to being like a professional, <laughs> quote unquote? So actually that started early on as well, the entrepreneurship side of me. Uh, my cousin and my sister and I, we grew up together. We grew up like sisters. So it was five of us and my grandmother um, watched over us as all of our parents worked so hard. Mm-hmm. So um, we would... You know, we were back in that generation where, uh, like, they just let us be free. They yeah. just let us yeah, out. We sure. raised ourselves practically. Yeah. See so, you. See you at nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> when the sun sets, you better be back here. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, so my mother, my grandmother, used to take care of um, a couple of their kids, and we used to take their toys and have a garage sale in front of the apartment complex, <laughs> make money, and yeah. then like buy our. You know, by our um, our chips and that, and then we started to mix uh, chips together, and then start selling that. Like we just started reinvesting and all of that. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's amazing. I know. I don't know about the stealing toys yeah, part yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very ethical, but but it just worked out that way. But talking to my cousins now and my sister, we're like, wow, we were really entrepreneurs early, mm-hmm. early on. We tried to create a haunted house, I remember, from the earnings That's amazing. Um, at the apartment. And we were charging a cover fee for the kids to come in. I think maybe one person paid. 
didn't want to come see, but that was enough That's for more us. than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The evolution of it all was more exciting than the actual. Yeah. Um, the process was really exciting. And then when I, um, throughout high school, I think the thought of what I wanted to do for a living was a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. At some point, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player, which I was. I was a great soccer player. Um, I, I played since I was like five years old. But um, that didn't work out. I realized I didn't like being in front of a camera too much. Okay. <laughs> or we being are today. too much We've in got public. Three pointed at you. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, so I, you know, my, my, a lot of my family's in the medical field. So, like, my sister's a speech pathologist. My mom also is an MA. My, I have um, two cousins that went into the medical field. So, I was like, maybe I'll, I'll try that. Uh, my mom always wanted me to be in something medical because it's secure. Sure. So I started school um, specifically to go into neurology because the brain fascinates me. And I did half a semester and quit. I was like, ah, no, this is just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but backtrack to that, I actually dropped out of school. But I got my GED the same year, I think within a couple months. Um, and so I was technically a graduate with my graduating right. class. Um, it just, school just didn't fit me. Yeah. I, I kind of, I didn't feel smart in school. Mm -hmm. Um, although my mom tells me like, I didn't even have to study for tests and I would, you know, yeah. get the answers right. I think context clues helps with that a lot, sure. but, <laughs> yeah. but nonetheless, school just wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. Uh, so then I was like, well, what am I going to do? The only thing that I really love to do is art. Mm-hmm. Back then, which was in 2003, uh, art wasn't really a career to kind of look forward to or it wasn't exciting. And my mom always told me like, oh, that there really isn't money in that. Maybe be like a court artist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, that's an angle. You yeah, could, that's, like, that's angle. certainly <laughs> something you could do. Yeah. So um, sh there wasn't very many options. And I understand her too. Uh but I was like, no, it just, I need something to, that feeds my soul. If I'm going to not quit in something, I have to be excited about it. Because yeah. I, I was really good at quitting everything <laughs> at <Yes>. that time. <laughs> that can be a skill. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was like, okay, well, I'm really good at doing makeup. I'm really good at doing hair. I remember cutting girls' hair in the um, soccer locker room. and That stresses doing me that. out. <laughs> Yeah, but sure. I didn't know what the yeah, heck yeah, I was yeah. doing, but the final product always looked Great. good. Kind of started on my own. I was doing hair and makeup on family and friends mm -hmm. and then started doing hair for weddings and things like that. Um, I got odd jobs here and there. Uh, I Then I decided to go to school for it. I was sure. like, okay, uh, let me make this official. So I went to Paul Mitchell, the school mm -hmm. in 2009, I believe, 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, graduated from there, uh, started working at a salon and hated it. Just did not like the environment. It was very competitive. Yes. And I'm okay with competition, but it can get a little ugly. Yeah. And that's just not in my personality. Sure. So I quit that as I did just about everything. Yeah. And uh, I started kind of going out on my own. Then I started working for Mac. That was kind of a better fit. I met one of my closest friends to this day there and um yeah just i just kept evolving from there 
I started kind of cl climbing the corporate ladder in the beauty mm -hmm. in the beauty industry. I won a few awards. Like, I was doing well. Yeah. But something just wasn't sitting with me. I was like, I I love the the beauty industry in the sense like you get to help people feel beautiful mm -hmm. when they don't. I love that. Yeah. And then you know I had clients that had um, just had cancer or recovered yeah. from cancer and. You know, to make them feel beautiful or, or make gift. them have eyebrows again. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's something that's so important. Yeah. Um, so understanding that, I'm like, there's, I have to find something deeper. Like, this is fine, but I don't want to do just fine. I want to sure. excel and I want my soul to excel. Yeah. So um, I was coming up on my 30th birthday and I realized, okay, it's now or never. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm so old <laughs> Come yeah. going into 30. So I decided to make the jump that was living in Louisiana at the time. And I don't know what just came over me. I, I was like, that's it. I'm I quit my job. Like literally the next week or so, quit my job, moved back to Houston. And without any kind of guidance, I went through my savings. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do, so I started painting my mom's cabinets. And that's how I, I kept entertained. Don't don't kick me out on the street. <laughs> right? I will paint your cabinets. Right. <laughs> yeah, so just to pass the time and um up at that point I've always I've had like two jobs since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't know what I was yeah. going to do. A good friend of mine uh, she said, hey, I have this artist friend. Um, would you like to meet him? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So she did. We She introduced us, and he was a muralist. At this point, he had done murals all around the world. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's really cool. And he was like, do you like painting, like on big, you know, mm -hmm. um, big canvases? And I'm like, I never thought about it. I guess it's just like a small canvas yeah. and just make it bigger. So it, there wasn't a whole lot of thought in it. I was just like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's try it. So I did. I, I jumped into it. I apenticed um, with him for a little while. I was and when with, was this? What, what year, give or this take? This was, so I moved, it was 2016 okay. when I met him. I moved June of 2016, met him November 16, and worked for free up until uh, January of 17. Yeah. Then he brought me on uh, full time. And that was one of the most exciting years of my life. I mean, the kind of work that I got to do, I didn't realize what was involved and how much business went into it. And mm. I really, really enjoy business, the business aspect of things. Because when you were doing the makeup stuff, you were working for someone else. Like there was like a, you were like a part of a company because you said you're yes. climbing a corporate ladder. Yes. So, so in that case, you're kind of just like a hired gun of like, hey, be here at this time. Right do the makeup and then peace right, out. Right, exactly. We'll, we'll pay you later. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I was still doing I was still doing clients on the side. Mm -hmm. um, I always had that as a, a side hustle. Yeah, so working with him, I learned so, so much. I mm -hmm. used to, I remember I used to go with him when he'd close deals and things of that nature and just watch and be so in tune and write down notes and I would email myself things and I was just so on it. I was so hungry mm. and I didn't realize that I had it in me. Then yeah. all of a sudden this lion comes out of me and I'm like, where has she been hiding? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I worked with him for about a year and then I got let go and I didn't have any other option. I mean, I was doing hair and makeup on the side, right. 
But at that point, I had made a decision that art was going to be full time. If not, I would never do it. Yeah. So I really sacrificed my time and my money. Um, I ran through my savings again after I got after I got let go, and I lost my townhouse. I remember uh, it was really really hard time, mm-hmm. but I just kept the goal of well, this is what I have to do. This is my art. So I'm just not going to quit. Fine. I'll be broke for a little while. I'm used to being broke. So that's fine. (laughs) Um, And just kept hustling. I mean, I remember working 14, 15, 16 hour days, day after day after day. And, um, you know, I have a daughter. So at the time she was maybe, gosh, like 12, something like that, 11, Mm -hmm. 12. So I was... Being a mom, full time, uh, completely on my own, yep. working, uh, trying my hardest to get something together, and um, doing hair and makeup on the side, um, having to move back to my parents' house in the midst of all of that, and still mm-hmm. hustling, still trying to make something happen, and I never really got discouraged. I had really, really hard days, and. Um, I had the thoughts about quitting, sure, but I was never discouraged to um, to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I just kept working, 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 working. I lost my hair. Even I had three bald spots. I remember. Oh goodness! And I was like, whatever. I'll just perm my hair this way. Yeah, I don't even care. <laughs> We're gonna keep going. Yeah, no sleep, so much stress, and I, I mean, painting in the middle of the night. I remember. And then uh, eight months later, I went, it just so happened, my same, the same girlfriend invited me to Midtown Development Authority meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, sure. And I went and I met somebody who needed it, murals immediately. Yeah. And so I always bring up this quote with Oprah. I'm not sure if I was saying it right, but it's hard work meets opportunity. That luck, yeah, luck is hard is, work yeah. uh, meets opportunity. And that was it. That was the moment. At that point, I'd worked so hard for eight months. Um, and that was the biggest deal to date in my career. It was a $35,000 deal Yeah. Uh, with the city. And I worked even harder, I remember. Uh, I worked harder than even having two, three jobs with sure. other people. But it was the best time of my life. I'm like, I'm doing this on my own. I realized how responsible I was. I realized how dedicated I was. I realized how much passion I had. All these things that had not been awoken yet. Mm. That's how I found it, just by doing what I was given a gift to do. (laughs) Well, I I do, listen, I want to affirm, yes, there are giftings and I've seen your work (laughs) and I think that you've got some natural talent that you, but with that, I think also you busted your ass I did. <laughs> and you stayed up late at night and you worked mm-hmm. and you were taking those notes and sending emails to yourself and you were studying and you were doing the work. I think there's an element of you deserve a little bit of credit. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think in, in getting that, that point, the hard yeah. work. Yeah. I think that it's both of those things. <laughs> a couple of thoughts from all that you shared was, uh, you know, you'd been broke before. I, I think I really like this idea that Success is a lot easier when you realize how inconsequential failure actually is. 
where, and it, it's really helpful if you failed before. Yeah. Right? If you, I, I imagine <laughs> if you've only ever succeeded and it's only ever been easy, like, yeah, okay, actually failure might be really hard and scary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, there, I was raised by a single mom at a lot of times in my life and, you know, we didn't have the most and she busted her ass to give me a life and give me opportunities she never had. And when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I had a lot of those same thoughts of like, well, okay, what's the worst that could happen? And by that point I was married, we had our first kid, mm -hmm. all this stuff. I felt like I had all this responsibility, but like her family lives here. We had lived with them before. So I was like, worst case scenario, we like lose our house and, and nothing else my in-laws will take in my wife and child. <laughs> they, they might let me. Like, I just always knew like, well, okay, failure, quote unquote, it would hurt. The biggest loss would be hurt to my ego. Mm. I'd be like, well, that sucks. But otherwise like, okay, so let's just swing for the fences then right, and see what happens. Right. And I do think that's a superpower. I also think that your willingness to quit I feel like you're being a little self-deprecating. You're like, <laughs> oh, you know, I just kind of quit everything. But how many people have stayed with a job too long right? or in a career too long because they felt vested in this thing? They felt too, it, uh, what's it called, um, like sunken cost bias or whatever it is, where it's like you've, you've lost so much money or time into this thing. You're like, well, I can't give up now. Yeah. But there's like a real superpower in being able to say, no, I'm done. That's a great way to think about that. You're right. And one of my biggest fears in life was being stuck like that. Mm -hmm. um, I watched both my parents work to the bone, still do, by yeah. the way. Uh, you know, pretty much anybody and everybody around me was working constantly. And it was a debilitating thought. Mm. And so I was technically a black sheep because I'm not going, I'm going against the grain. Yeah. And I'm not doing things the proper way, but I just, at this point, I'm like, I'm fine having whatever title you want to give me. I don't want to end up like that, though. And I'm not taking away, I mean, my my mom really loves what she does. Sure. And uh, she works really hard. I'm working really hard to retire her, you mm -hmm. know. But um, I just knew that that wasn't my path. And then my parents, too, they're both immigrants. They both mm -hmm. came here at like 15, 16. Um, and the American dream was to work and buy a house that's, and yeah. have children. And that's as far as the extent of their dream went. Mm -hmm. And my mom really, really wanted us to go to school. And to a degree, I felt really um, like I was failing my mom mm -hmm. because I wouldn't go to school. Mm -hmm. And a real, mm -hmm. into my career still, she'd be like, I know this is fun, but, you know, you yeah. can still go to school. You're sure. still young enough. And I'm like... Mom, I'm making triple what you make. <laughs> like, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I make my schedule and I get to work yeah. this. And then, yeah. yeah, I go on vacation constantly. Like, it's yeah. fine. Is that certainly a difference in maybe, I mean, both generational perspective, right. but also maybe the difference of being like the immigrant versus the firstborn generation and like those layers of like, we just see the world differently. Right, exactly. And I think not wanting to fail her was a big drive mm. and not wanting her to feel like, her making this huge, both my parents, both my parents making this huge sacrifice and me not opting to, uh, opting to go to school. Yeah. Like I didn't want to feel like I failed her. So yeah. I worked even harder because yeah. I'm like, no, I have to show her that there is a way this way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this way, but how much I respect what you guys did for yeah. me. 
Like that is so big. That being said, my daughter's going to school, so she's she, taking that track. I don't care track. what she says. She's going to school. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if she wants to be a TikTok influencer. Mm-mm. No, you're going to school. Your grandmother says. Yeah. So, and I'm very proud of her. Sure. You know, she starts college this semester. That's so awesome. Yeah, we're very, very excited. I know. I'm like, she made it to be a full-on adult. I'm like, I did my job. <laughs> I, I didn't break her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so much of parenthood is yeah. like, please just don't die. Like, I've right? got like one, just need you to be, and if you can be a well-adjusted human, also yes. very good. Great. But mostly don't die. <laughs> Which I believe she is, yeah. yeah. So I am quite proud of myself for that. And it's one of my yeah. favorite things is to be a mom to her. Totally. To her. I don't know about any other kid, but yeah. to her. <laughs> I think the school thing is really interesting. And it's a conversation that my wife and I have. She's in education. She's worked in education, you know, since college and probably will continue to work in education. And the irony is like, I have a master's degree. I went all the way through. I was in school from five years old to basically 24 or oh, five. Okay. So I was in school 20 years straight. Um, and a lot of that has shaped me and prepared me for all the opportunities that I have today. I, I don't want to negate that. And yet I also like have an English degree with a minor in biblical studies and a master of divinity. So it's not exactly wow, like that's like providing like right. <laughs> a direct correlation to what I'm doing. I think it certainly has helped and maybe has helped me with even some of these conversations. But my boys, I have two boys, seven years old and five years old, second grade in kindergarten. The second grader loves school. He oh, is amazing. all about it, loves it. He's, you know, he takes it very seriously, the grades, all of that. My kindergartner, at least as it seems so far, <laughs> not his jam. Just, and I, and I, it's a conversation we have in our family where it's like, hey, school's really good. I think it's a great yeah. resource. It can do a lot of stuff, but also it doesn't like really matter. <laughs> like I just go like, I was like, hey man, like here's the deal. Like your kindergarten grade is yeah. not going to affect your life in any way, shape or form. So like. Just like be there, don't get kicked out, be nice to people, we'll be fine. Yeah. Like, I'm, Just I'm coast, not, man. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna sweat it. I'll yeah. handle your mother. <laughs> but I, I think there's just something about that. And, and this is probably a larger conversation that we don't have to spend a lot of time on, but of just, I, yeah, I think that the education system will certainly change over the years yeah, because there's more and more waste. And hopefully, I think this show is really a testament to that of like, you can just do all this stuff. And very few of us have gone to school for the thing that have gotten us into this position. Right, right. Um, I still think it's great. <laughs> There's that line. Um, one of my favorite movies growing up was Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, all that. Oh, what a great movie that was. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm never in a mood to watch it now because I go like, oh, that's kind of sad. But there's the bit in the, the middle where he like confronts the Ivy League douche that is like saying like, you know, you're quoting all these things, spouting them off as your own idea when you like you could have gotten the same education for a buck 75 in late fees at the local library. Oh, my goodness. Which is this idea that and I hope that this show does that is there are ways to learn what you need to learn outside of school. I think school's great. Again, not totally dismissing the idea, but also if you want to learn, the world is your oyster. Yeah. And I think you're a testament to that. I appreciate is that. It, it sounds like as you tell that story, you were paying attention and learning where you could learn, which when the opportunity presented itself, right, you were able to seize it. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for that. And same to you. I Congratulations on Rusty Gates Media. I 
heard all the great things. I love that. Yeah. So you, you understand the the path and how sometimes, not sometimes, it's always like yes. this. It's never a straight line, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that sometimes the illusion that um, educators give kids is it's very linear. Mm -hmm. And it really isn't, even when you go to college. No. There's always you know, a direction this way branches off to so many different mm -hmm. different areas. Um, and some people do it in education and having that kind of uh, career. And then some people do it my way. Mm -hmm. It's a little wilder. And, you know, like I, only, I like to see, I'm okay with just seeing like the headlights a couple feet sure. ahead and I'm good with that. Um, yeah. So each with their own personality, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's certainly never a straight line. And, you know, when making this show, when making a podcast, you can do anything. And there's an element to this where I believe that every person has a unique and beautiful journey. And I would be happy to sit down and have this kind of conversation with practically anybody. I'd love to interview the two of the, like our two kind of production yeah. assistants with us today because I'm, I guarantee that they have interesting stories. And to some degree, I just had to pick a path to be like, we got to narrow it down. We can't like, we can't just talk about it. We got to have like a shtick. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the entrepreneurship in Houston, like yeah. let's really narrow it down. Um, and that's how this happened. But the fact is like, I just think that every person has that story. And I do hope that that, these conversations inspire people, whether they want to go into entrepreneurship or not. Yeah. You do not have to do your own thing. You do right. not have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> you can live a very happy and secure uh, life right. working for somebody else. Absolutely. Um, without a lot of the struggle. But talking about struggle, I want to get into this a little bit because Ace Phoenix, maybe, uh, I don't feel like pseudonym is the right name, alter <laughs> ego, but right, like this is not necessarily the name that you were born with, right. but it's a name that you've chosen that really helps identify yourself in the world and in the world of art. Um, talk to me about where that comes from, because I know you mentioned a lot of struggle in this journey. I had given myself a name back, I think, right after high school. Um, I heard it somewhere. I can't remember where uh, the name Phoenix. And I was like, I really, really that as a name mm -hmm. and at that point I didn't know what it meant or anything sure. like that but I just always thought I'm like if I ever like become a I don't know a Beyonce of the world that's gonna be my name yeah. <laughs> you know and I just always stuck with that so then when I got fired actually I um, was terrified because we didn't part in the best terms um, so he was so established in the art world that I was like terrified that he'd want to take me down. So sure. I was like, well, here is a time now, like the, uh, a new me is being born. So I think I need to rename myself. And I was really conscious too of not, um, I heard, had heard some story that JK Rowling, her publisher told her that she had to, it'd be best if she changed her name because she can sell her style of um, books to more boys if they knew she wasn't a girl. Mm. So it stuck with me. And um, the mural art industry is very dominated by men. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can be incognito, which I'm very private, by the way. I love to be incognito, as my friends know. Mm. Um, and 
So, so, so welcome to the pot, the platform. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. We're gonna put you on blast. Yeah. It took a lot of work to, for me to finally get to this place. Um, so I'm like, okay, I like the name Phoenix. And I'm like, but I feel like I, I like I feel like I can have a another name attached to it, right? And at the time, I was watching Gilmore Girls with my daughter. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really feel like I'm Lorelai, and she's and she's Rory. Mm-hmm. But um, she, somebody, her, I think like a boyfriend of hers called her Ace. And I'm like, huh, I kind of like that. And I liked their dynamic too. And so I'm like, all right, I like that. Phoenix Ace, Ace Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And it just like, it just kept ringing to me for the next couple of days. And I'm like, okay, Ace, you play that in um, Blackjack. That can either be the lowest number or the highest number. Mm. Yeah. It can, it could really help you win in mm-hmm. any direction, whether you're here or here. So it was like, okay, I really, really like that. And then the Phoenix, um, you know, I had a, I had a dream one time that I painted a lotus flower. And so the lotus flower is born through the mud. It blooms through the mud, uh, muddy water. And the Phoenix has a very similar um, uh, meaning. So you're born through the ashes. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, this is literally what my career has been. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's been burned down quite a couple of times. Um, and I know that it'll come above. And so that's where that started. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) And then you you feel like the embracing of this, um, like moniker, like you feel more comfortable in that now. It's taken some time, yes. Yeah. Um, it took a lot of people, um, my, my closest friends around me to uh, really tell me like, hey, you have to be in front. You can't just show your art. Like that's great and everything. And your art speaks volumes, but you have to get in front of your art because they want to know who's presenting the art. They're wanting to know who's creating the art. And like, you have to network, you have to get out there. I was terrified to do that. And I kind of felt like maybe uh, imposter syndrome, sure. like maybe I didn't feel like I fit into that name quite yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that meant, that whole name signified for me quite yet. Mm-hmm. So then I started going to networking events and shaking hands terrified my very first networking event alone i was in the corner the whole time so if there's video there's any kind of footage you just see me there like arms crossed just smiling looking around not talking to anybody (laughs) and little by little i just started to evolve my one of my very best friends vanessa cole she's incredible by the way i'll I'll, um tell you about her after after the show um so she's um in construction um, for the city, she does affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So she was always in some kind of event, some something with the city, like always shaking hands. And she's such a pro at it. And I would just watch her like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know? And then I just watched how she would introduce me. And so then I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. Oh, I re- I'm that? Okay, I like that. And then, so it just, I just started kind of adopting it. And little by little, I started coming out of my shell you know, when my hair started growing back, then yeah, <laughs> I started sure. to wear down. <laughs> yeah, so that made me help, uh, feel a little better. And so, yeah, the more I did that, the more comfortable and the more settled I got into this other persona that I had created for myself, and but still hadn't gotten to the name yet. 
-hmm. And then I met um, a mentor of mine through another friend, uh, Lee Washington, who's also another artist. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he, it's like, he like picked me out of the muddy water. He was just so about business, so about your reputation and this and that. So he like beat it in my head that, hey, how you present yourself is everything. Mm-hmm. So I started to really listen closely. He's very successful in his industry. So I'm like, if he's done it mm-hmm. this way, I'm just going to follow that blueprint. And he's like, you got to start calling yourself Ace. You can't just, like, people get confused. Oh, you're Ace or are you Suli? Like, got it. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, this is it. I don't know why I sure. battled it so much, but finally I'm like, hi, I'm Ace. Yeah. And then it just kind of start. I started to finally feel like Ace Phoenix, and so when I introduced myself, I'm like, people can actually say Ace, but they can't say my real name. So this yeah, is even this easier. Is, this is actually better. Yeah, this is better branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much better branding. Um, and then it just it's it just speaks to a a very wide range demographic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let me let me give this a try and. Guys love to hear that, like men in business, they love to hear that. Ace, Ace, what a great name, what a great name. And then, sure. and then girls just like are like, wow, you're a girl painting murals. Like, that's amazing. So I get it from both sides. And um, I'm like, okay, it's the time now. So sure. this year I finally became uh, comfortable in that name. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've been living as since. <laughs> well, this is really true in I think every industry in the sense of, more often than not, we're not really selling whatever it is that we're selling. We're selling ourselves. Right. And for you, well, let, I'll, I'll take a step back. A long time ago, a buddy of mine, uh, he was the one who turned me on to podcasts. This is like 2012. And every like every day, every other day, I'd show up to my buddy with a new idea for a podcast. <laughs> I'd be like, we could do this and we could do that. And he and he was just always very patient. Like, okay, like we could. Yeah. And, and I think my enthusiasm would never really last long enough for anything mm-hmm. to actually happen. But it became a little bit of like a running bit between us that um, I would pitch these ideas. And so I started saying like, okay, well, is this interesting or is it not interesting? And then I would pitch my idea. And he's like, that's not interesting. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we only ever ended up recording one pilot episode of a show. And the show was going to be called Interesting, Not Interesting. Oh, that's going right? It was going to, and the whole premise was just going to be me pitching ideas to my buddy to yeah. see if he was going to like be like, that's a good idea or that's a bad idea. It's like, that's it. And now I think with years and years of podcast experience, I do think that there's a way to make that show where people like submit their ideas yeah. and we just like talk about like, hmm, is that a good idea or a bad idea? And just like give them some like, yeah, you should do that or no, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Don't do that. It's really so cool. Now, actually. I, I mean, maybe we'll revisit that idea. <laughs> yeah. But for that very first episode, I was like, I'm do some research. I'm going to find all this stuff. And I read this and I had like just finished grad school. So it was like, it felt like the first time I was like doing research for like a, not a school project. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to go deep. And I found this scientific article that explored the concept of interest and like what makes the thing interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really pertinent for an artist and for art Um, because what they were saying is uh, it's essentially context that makes a thing interesting. The more context you have about a subject, the more interesting you'll find it. And art is that way, right? This is why in a lot of museums, they'll have little placards next to the art to be like, this is who the artist was. This is when it was made. This was either the intent or the style because 
they know that if the more context you have about a piece, the more you'll like appreciate. And all of that goes to, I think, the importance of your friends being right on you selling yourself as yeah. a part of the work. Yeah. You know, you talked about getting this really big deal. You threw out a significant number. Um, but how has that evolved? What have you learned through that process of like, okay, if this is what you want to do, this is kind of how this business works. Is it, yeah. are you, mo is it, I guess it's somewhat like a B2B business is like, you're mostly being contracted by business owners who have brick and mortars, or in that case, you're working with the city talking about the business of being a muralist. So I, yes, I did start more in the um, city world and that was cool. That was great. And that I think is more, um, what's the word? I think it's a little bit more secure, mm -hmm. um, but true to my personality, I don't care for security. Sure. So <laughs> um, it's, it's quite a bit of hands in the pot when you're dealing with the city. Um, the projects may take a little longer than expected. And um, you kind of got to go through um, this process and which is great and I will also I'll still work with the city to this day yeah so I do more uh, uh, work with business owners mm -hmm. um, I love the idea of having business uh, owners that have put so much into their business so much of their ideas into their business and here's another step where they're wanting to put this idea on a wall and don't know how to mm -hmm. and this is where I come in that's my favorite part is to be able to translate somebody's what's in their imagination onto color and onto a wall. Yeah. Um, I think mostly that's what I'm paid for. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it makes me so happy because it, it makes their dream come to life. And that's what I'm doing it for. And my most favorite part of the whole project is their reaction. Like yeah. that is what I do it all for. Like I love to see their eyes get so wide, yeah. get excited, taking pictures, sending it to their friends and their family, and then then watching all these people take photos with my with my artwork. That's the coolest thing in the world um, as far as my career goes. Um, so that is the reason why I've kind of transitioned more into. Um, doing more private work with businesses and mm -hmm. that um, a lot of brick and mortars. I do murals in homes too. Sure. Like I love doing kids, kids uh, rooms murals. Yeah. I love that because the kids just get genuine excitement, you know? Yeah. Um, and I still partly think I'm a kid in my mind. So Same. <laughs> yeah. So I get to kind of live vicariously through, through mm -hmm. the artwork. Um, so yeah, it's just a little more creative for me uh, mm -hmm. to work with, different um ideas different minds so I, yep. I love doing like brick and mortar things right now i'm doing um i just finished four murals car murals this is the first time i ever painted cars i saw it online yeah and they look phenomenal <laughs> thank yeah <you. laughs> thank you they look like they were really fun to do they were so much fun i mean i i had a blast i was dancing while i was painting like i don't recommend dancing on top of a ladder like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> safety first. But I was, I was like, you know, bouncing around and dancing and painting. I was just had such such a great time. Um, the company's name is Porky's, and it's a first of their of their kind. They're a food truck um, with the concept of having like a uh, like a bar um, situation. So they have like video games and um, picnic tables and a whole a full bar and all that. Yeah, that to me screams creativity. Sure. They're already creative in the 
in conceptualizing this idea. Like, who else has that here in Houston? So I love to bounce off ideas with people like that. Um, I love to watch them get excited, which gets me excited. Mm -hmm. And then it took me out of my box. I've never painted cars before, and they came out super great. Yeah, and I'm like, so. I don't know. I might like this as much as I like doing portraits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I absolutely love working with other creative minds or people who don't necessarily think they're creative. Yeah. But I can be like, yes, you are, because this was in your in your mind. Yeah. And yeah. now I all I did was put it out here for you. But this totally. is this is your brain. This is your mind. And congratulate that and, and have fun with that, you know? Creativity is so much bigger than visual art. I mean, certainly visual art is a very direct and easy representation of that. But to create a business. That is a, that is a creative act. It is, and I have loved the like the art of building a business, of leveraging relationships, of packaging things, of selling a product, of finding out what somebody really needs. You know, as you were saying, it's like you're not really even selling the mural; yeah. you're selling the act of like making their dream a reality. Yeah. Like they have a vision, and you're that's the that's the service. It's yeah. a service, not necessarily a product. And that service is invaluable. And that's where I think that um, there are so many people I know who would not consider themselves artists, but are hella creative. Yeah. <laughs> that, right. Like they are creating something out of nothing. Literally and that's like nothing. the most creative thing that you can do. That's exactly it. Like, where does that come from? Where does a thought come from? You know, it's, it's, it's like that. Like you're, you're, creating something out of a conception of your mind How, that's the most creative thing that you can even fathom like it's how a couch came to be yes. it's how shoes came to be like it's yeah. such an invaluable like it's an invaluable thing there yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. as we wrap up uh, what advice would you have given uh, yourself you know whether I, I'm trying to think of what critical point I wish I could put you back in <laughs> to say like, this is the thing you're out of high school, you're getting your GED. There's a lot of pressure to like not squander the opportunity that your parents gave you at that moment. What's the advice that you had given your younger self knowing all that, you know, now I would have told myself it's going to be okay. Mm. Um, it's, don't have to beat yourself up that hard. Mm. Um, it all works out. Just keep going and appreciate the moment now. Yeah. Because you can't have that back. Um, yeah, just just live, live like today is it. Mm. Like, and I live so much by that now. Um, back then, it was particularly difficult. Um, I had um, a lot of um, bits with depression, and mm -hmm. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand me. I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And not that I have all the answers in the world now, but I'm kind of like settled in now. Like, it's okay. Like, yeah. it's okay. So, yeah, that's it. And just continue to have faith, mm -hmm. and everything works out. Like, no matter what direction you take, it's not a right or wrong decision. Make a decision and make that the right decision. Mm. So that's literally how I live my life yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I think that's the advice I'd give my younger self and anybody who is a young adolescent that doesn't know what they're going to do or doesn't know what life is or like how hard it is. It's mm -hmm. like, it's going to be okay. I promise you we'll all be okay. Yeah. A little bit of grace. Yeah, with a little bit. Oh, with a lot of grace. <laughs> with, a lot, with a lot of bit of grace. You yeah. Know, just need a, yeah. a lot of bit of grace. Yeah. And we'll make it happen. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me and for sharing a little bit about your story. I think there's so much more that we could talk about. I, how can people reach out to you, a business owner or otherwise, that they want to get a mural done by you, commission a piece? What does that look like? Yes, absolutely. So you can reach me on um, social platforms, Instagram, Ace Phoenix Art. Uh, TikTok, it's Ace Phoenix Arts with an S at the end. And uh, my email, acephoenixart at gmail.com. And then my website, acephoenixart.com. There you go. Well, well thank you so much, and we will uh, we'll push people your way. Thank you. Appreciate it. I had a wonderful time. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. Yay. A huge thank you to Ace and to you for listening to this episode of Houston Made. Let this interview be an encouragement to you to have faith in your own gifting. Trust in it. Follow it, because you never know where it might lead. If you haven't done so already, please go follow Ace on all the places on Instagram. Again, at AcePhoenixArt. Check out our website, acephoenixart.com. It's your first time tuning in. We have interviews available with entrepreneurs from all kinds of background, from leather workers to ice sculptors to real estate agents and more. If you're interested in connecting further or advertising via Houston Made, you can find me on Instagram at Rusty J. Gates or the show at Houston Made Podcast. Houston Made is produced and hosted by me, Rusty Gates. Special thanks, as always, goes out to Luke Groner with Odd Parliament for continued support of the show and to Mac Ryan Creative for the collaboration on our artwork. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, new friends. And Houston Made is glad to be a part of the Odd Parliament neighborhood of podcasts, a community that believes in compelling stories, nuanced dialogue, inclusive community, creative production. All these things to one good end, deep human connection. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers, visit Odd Parliament. Dot com.